You're listening to Shane the Catskills in conversation with a podcast where I get to talk to my favorite artists, esotericists, writers, organizers, spiritual and creative workers, and people who I think are doing really interesting shit in the world. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Shane the Catskills, a queer artist, tarotist, intuition facilitator, pleasure activist, organizer, contemplative, library clerk, and author of the book, Tarot as Questions, published by Cosmic Doghouse Press. I'm living on a sopus land currently known as the town of Shandaken, Ulster County, New York, in the Catskill Mountains. Today, I have the great good fortune of being in conversation with my dear friend, Suzette Clough. Suzette has been painting for 53 years. She originally trained in painting at Sydney College of the Arts in Australia, where she was born and grew up. While at art school, she had what used to be called a psychotic breakdown. In an attempt to heal from this experience, alongside a growing desire to use the insights that had begun to show themselves through her paintings, she wanted to work with people using creativity as a spiritual healing process. Suzette moved to London and began training as a psychotherapist at the Chiron Center for Body Psychotherapy. This was a radical and life-changing five-year training in somatic embodied psychotherapy. As well as an intensive hands-on practitioner training, Suzette entered into long-term psychoanalytic psychotherapy. She's run art therapy groups at psychiatric hospitals, used art making with clients with eating disorders and other addictions, she worked at a radical hospice for people with HIV and AIDS, alongside various healing projects where she has used visual medicine with women who have experienced the criminal punishment system and those with mental health issues stemming from the pernicious effects of patriarchy on our collective nervous system. Suzette's experiences also allowed her to develop visual medicine, a teachable creative practice with a psychological understanding informed by the unconscious and materiality that is situated within an oracular earth-based gynocentric spirituality. The continuing evolution of visual medicine is a vibrant collaboration between her amazing students and clients, her own creativity, the ancestors, the unseen, the invisible ones, the creation devas, and the loving fields of original pattern ancestor beings that surround us. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Suzette, welcome to In Conversation With. Thank you for making the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much, Shay. That was, thank you for your introduction. I know. How's it feel to like hear your whole life like <laughs> told yeah. like that? Oh, I, actually, I was. I just found myself arriving into it and um, feeling, yeah, just feeling the embodied, the embodiment of actually you saying those words back to me and um, the tr the trueness of them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, wow! I feel like <laughs> if people are not intrigued yet, then you might not be. So, <laughs> I mean, wow. Mm. Um, I before we get into it, I would yeah. love to just check in and hear about the quality of your body, heart, mind in this moment. Oh, it's, um, I'm excited to be here and also just very aware of the privilege of speaking to, to you because we're very different. 
um, and also that you've been studying with me as well. And there's something about your receptivity and the field of your curiosity, which I've always found to be um, very welcoming and very expansive. So I feel myself arriving both into myself, but also into the possibility of talking, you know, for over an hour about something that we are both very passionate about. So yeah, mm. I'm excited. Oh my God, me too. I love that. I pulled a card right before um, we got started. And this yeah. is the six of cups from the Spolia Tarot. And um, this is about like relational exchange. And it just felt like the most auspicious and like accurate um, sort of prelude to whatever we're mm -hmm. going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think we do, there is so much um, like the Venn diagram of our interests is very close to a circle. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about like how we know each other and how we met. So I met you through um, Facebook, but the connection was um, Perdita Finn and the Way of the Rose. Um, and I remember I actually purchased your visual medicine ebook before I ever talked to you or met you. And because I was so intrigued. And then you and I started working with Perdita um, in a, a class called time travelers. And we've been working together with her for about a year and a half. And that's very, very deep work, uh, that the people who show up in that zoom room for that work with Perdita have karmic connections that are, Absolutely. Yeah, 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 you know, very long. Yeah. And then, um, last actually a year ago this month, I began, um, working with you, um, doing visual medicine, taking classes with you and moving through a cohort that actually did several rounds of um, visual medicine exploration with you. And then I joined your facilitator training um, earlier this year, which is we're currently in the middle of. So yes, you are a dear friend. And we've done a lot of, we've been in a lot of like spiritual learning space together. And, yeah. and I do consider myself a student of, of visual medicine. Um. Is there anything that you would like to add about how we know each other? Um, well, I think it's a, I think it's really interesting what you're saying, like meeting through Padita and the work in time traveling and and also the work of working with the dead and that sort of and that kind of connection between spirituality and um, ancestors that are you know in a much faster field. And, and friendship that kind of grows up through the, the root system of that is very, very special because I, I also feel that one of the things that um, has come out of our work with Padita is friendships and how incredible it is to, I feel like I've known you when you say, you know, a year and a bit, I'm thinking, my God, it feels at least like a decade. <laughs> it feels at like least. a thousand years. <laughs> exactly. And, and that, that also feels true. Yeah. 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 So um, do you want to start with your work or, or visual medicine? Like, where do you want to tuck into first? I mean, I actually, I ask you that question. I have a place that I want to actually tuck in with you first. I want to go with you. Okay. <laughs> tuck in there. <laughs> I think yeah. one of the things that I really appreciate about all the work that you do, your own painting and visual medicine, and the way that you facilitate spaces and work with other people is your ability to situate uh, what you're doing and creativity and the creative process in 
in situated in the context of the world that we actually live in, a world of patriarchy and colonialism and white supremacy and capitalism that you, um, you know, looking at your artwork, you know, someone might not think like, oh yeah, that's, that's about the world, but you have an understanding about how it is about the world. And that feels really important to me as someone who feels like my creative and spiritual and political life are one thing. And so would you mind talking just a little bit about how you see your work in the context of like the world that we're living in right now? I, I think it's, I really appreciate you seeing that contextualization that I make because I think that one of the things that I feel about my own practice, both as a teacher, but also as a, as an artist doing my own painting. And I do distinguish between visual medicine and my own painting. And I'd like to talk a bit about that is that I see that the way in which both those fields of work, my own work and visual medicine are created, are ways of relating to creation itself that are non-hierarchical and non-patriarchal. And that as soon as you start to try and colonize create creation itself or, you know, kind of the soul, um, or you try and get into an, you know, like I do this, then this should happen relationship with that field of creation, then, then you become extractive. And one of the things for me about my own practice as an artist, but also teaching people is that creativity itself is a profound teacher. And then when you start to work with the essence of that, it will show you absolutely why when you try and overtake it or dominate it or when you try and make it do this or that and I'm not against that kind of artwork at all because it has a place but the kind of um, relationship that really interests me is is kind of like a co-participant co-arising relationship where um, I am being taught um, and stretched and also the the molecules of me are flowing into creation itself so it's it's like I'm I'm aware that I'm not as big and but I'm but I'm also having my relationship with God herself if you like and that's that's changing me and changing God herself um, and that relationship is what I am a student of and I'm and you know in that way I think it has a dynamic political context. Um, and the language itself is the language of the body of the earth. And that's the language that I'm trying to learn and experience and also hopefully transmit in my, my own teaching and painting work. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Thank you for that. I have a million things I want to tuck into there, but you know, when you were saying that, um, that when you're engaged in the practice, you can see when you're trying to kind of dominate or, you know, make sense. I think that in my experience, you can also see when you're trying to abdicate your, yeah. you know, where there's something, I think because the fundamental wound of our culture is um, a rupture of relationship that your, um, that visual medicine for me has been and I think it's what makes it trustworthy as a teaching and a spiritual transmission is that it's fundamentally about relationship, mm -hmm. um, about creating in relationship about, I remember in certain, at certain times in class, you talking about like, how do I be, um, fully myself, 
you know, not having to change anything at the same time that I am also um, giving the other its due, you know, this yeah. kind of, and I think that, so in the way that every aspect of, of the visual medicine training, the materials that we use and what the process is, every single part of it is um, an enactment of this kind of um, interdependent relational situation. Um, yeah. And, and I also want to say like your work reminds me very much of the work I did with Dido Roshi and his successors at the monastery around creativity and, and what makes, what, what is so moving to me and makes me feel emotional about visual medicine is that there is no outside authority who is mediating the experience. And so that also feels deeply political to me. It feels like there's a way of reclaiming self-sovereignty and relationship within the field of practicing visual medicine. Absolutely. And I mean, I just completely love how you're talking about it because that's exactly how I also experience it and, and want people to um, have a sense of as well that when, I mean, it's not that I don't know how to pick up a paintbrush, but over many decades, what has felt like my practice has revealed itself to me as is how do I um, in some very dynamic way step into the field of creation itself and that when we do that something else happens to what we're creating but also um, us as being and that's the both the kind of the awesomeness and the humbling and um, in that field, there is so much teaching possible. And I think it's really interesting what you're talking about. I think my own spiritual path is, even though I've tried to adopt certain things, like um, I'm, I trained as a minister, um, and it's not like my ministry training is was really important at the time, but I cannot follow a particular spiritual or religious path. It doesn't speak to me. It, it's like at some point painting has been my radical teacher because I think it makes itself up in the moment. And it's also outside my, it's outside the system of rulership. And mm. I think that really makes me cry because I think that's where I feel this radical relationality, this radical um, interdependent teaching that, that um, and the reciprocity that, that the way in which over time you actually begin to kind of call the materials and the materials call you and that all relationship is based on that, the, the kind of calling and receiving and without reception, the other doesn't exist. I mean, it exists, but it doesn't exist in the field of our perception. And that's very, very radical. So when that field starts to open up and I, for me, visual medicine has been a teaching encounter. I didn't start off knowing this. I got to know it through my painting, visual medicine, and my work with others, that kind of constant reinforming and the constant putting out like the call. This is, you know, whatever that is, the pain, the despair, the longing, the need that then created the field where the answers began to roll in. Mm. Uh, and that that was never on my mind when I first started working 
when visual medicine first started coming through to me. Um, but I think it has, it's a template for a kind of radical realignment with creative energies present in the world. Um, and, and, underst and beginning to hear what, you know, what they're, um, what they're wanting to talk to us about. So let's, yeah, let's, let's stay with visual medicine and then we'll um, yeah. move on yeah. to your paintings. I feel like we're in it. Yeah, I'm just going to hold up a couple of my, these are two yeah. of my visual medicine. If you're watching the YouTube, mm -hmm. I'm holding up two of my visual medicine paintings. I keep these on an altar in my um, living room. And um, maybe you could, well, I want to say what I love about visual medicine so much. And then I want you to talk about like mm -hmm. all yeah. of the things. Yeah. So as someone who did monastic training and who is a very Saturnian person by temperament, mm -hmm. one thing that I love about visual medicine is that the, the procedure or practice or protocol itself is exceedingly simple, yeah. deceptively simple, because I when I like learned about the technique, I started doing it, but without any of the the teaching part, just the technique part. Yeah. And to look back and be like, wow, yeah, those were those were nice paintings, but they weren't visual medicine paintings because I wasn't yeah. engaging with them in that way. And I think particularly doing the facilitator training with you to see what a totally bottomless teaching visual medicine is, right? So that I mean, I believe that, you know, Zazen is the same as, you know, a bottomless teaching. It's a very simple thing that you can sum up the instruction very succinctly, and then you can never exhaust the teaching. It just keeps opening. It keeps um, including more. It keeps evolving with you, you evolving with it. And, and the other thing that I really, really love about visual medicine is that it is oracular. So it's the sense that that I can bring my questions, worries, fears, concerns, desires directly to the paintings and ask questions like no question to existential or quotidian. It takes mm -hmm. everything, um, even not a, a well-formed question, just kind of a what the fuck question. <laughs> and yeah. it, um, it, speaks. That's sort of the oracular part. And so those are just a couple of things that I want to kind of highlight from the giddy up from my own experience of visual medicine of what makes it so a trustworthy as mm -hmm. a simple yet utterly bottomless, inexhaustible practice yeah, and um, like utterly meeting me where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all I can do is say yes. I mean, I, I, that's my experience as well. And um, I think what's really interesting is that that oracular nature is like tarot is provoked through questions, questions. And if you kind of track the question back, it's always from need. And um, when visual medicine came into the world about, it was like 2002, um, and I, I just closed a business that I'd been making um, fabrics for hand-made clothes. And I'd sunk everything into this business, including all my energy. Um, and it didn't work. And it was very, very painful. I felt extremely both bad and humiliated. Lots of, lots of different feelings. Um, and... I started teaching creativity groups and one of the things that came up was that I couldn't, I, I realized I couldn't say to anybody, be more creative, you know, do, you know, 
just be creative. It's like, it doesn't work because what the thing about creativity is, unless you know how to get there, you can't get there. And my question was, it, it was really like, what the fuck? <laughs> Fucking help me, God. Like, you know, I was like, uh, a bit like, a bit. this is my victim. You've taken away my fucking business. I don't have anything to do. It makes uh, me I think of um, Perdita's <laughs> It makes me think of Perdita's phrase about being deranged with need. Like yeah, when yeah, we yeah, approach. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the portal. It was out of that despair, that rage, that kind of banging at the door. Um, and, and also the shame, like it was, it was all that bundle. And, um, and also the one thing that I knew is that painting had always been myself. It had always been for me a place where I could restore myself, but, but secretly. And over the five years I had my business, I had probably made, I'd, I'd made off, you know, kind of five, that five meters, 5,000 meters of silk hand printed silk, but it wasn't printed once and washed once. It was probably printed five or six times and watched, washed five or six times. So a huge amount of energy um, got poured into the cloth. And what came forward was, that was my preparation. That was my initiation the mm -hmm. into the cloth um, was I, I saw that ink and dye were moving in completely unregulated ways. And because when you're printing fabric, you want it to be where you want it to be. And I'm thinking, fuck, don't go out of the lines. And then I had to work with going out of the lines. And I developed a different way of printing from that. But um, it all of those things came together in this one screen, you know, kind of fucking helped me. And then out of that developed this practice where um, I heard these weird words, spirit longs to be made material or loves to be made material. And from that, the practice unfolded um, and it unfolded in very limitless ways, like step by step. But at each point um, when I thought, oh my, you know, it's reached, it's a, no, another door opened. And the door wasn't only opened by me, it was opened by spirit, but it was also opened by my work with other people. Mm. It was opened in a field where there were other bodies asking pretty similar questions like, what the fuck am I gonna do? <laughs> how can I address this relationship? It's really painful. Or how can I earn more money? Or um, how can I, how can I, you know, kind of get to know myself? Or what is this painting saying? And so, in that field, which was a field of need and questions, other things began to kind of um, expand. Uh, and I love that. I think that's totally and utterly appropriate to where we are in the world at this time. It's, it's a way of how can, we, how can we open our hearts through those kind of deep questions like, where am I? What, what am I to do? How can I do this? How can I show up in this relationship? How can I heal this? That was the key. And that key just kind of keeps opening the door further and further. When we're able to um, kind of um, participate with this bigger field of universal energy. And, um, and what I feel because of this radical simplicity, no one is left out. It's not based on skill. It's not based on whether you 
um, feel like you're a good artist. It's it's actually way those questions get left behind very quickly, much yeah. much more quickly than in any other practice or yeah. procedure I've ever seen. You know, I was yeah. laying in um, on the on my love seat this morning, looking at my wall. I have a wall of visual medicine paintings just tacked up, and I was just like looking at them. And thinking about, you know, um, there's someone in the in the class who talks about the paintings as her friends. And I was really mm -hmm. feeling that this morning. It was like looking at them and seeing all of these beings and stories. And um, I mean, there's just so many. It's 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 like it's not like tarot because we're co-creating the images, but it is like tarot in the sense that you, you know, they will whisper secrets and tell you stories yeah. and like show you things and shape shift as, mm -hmm. as you look at them from one day to the next. And I also just want to say that part of the experience of visual medicine, because literally the procedure itself, anyone could like read the instructions. And, yeah. but I want to say something about you as a facilitator, both of sort of the earlier painting groups that I've done with you and also the facilitator training, you are an utterly fearless and, um, unbelievable holder of space and um kind of catalyzer of moments for for people to really see something fresh to feel something to experience something fresh and to do that together as a group um you are definitely taking care of the space but you really are open to letting things happen in the group and that's a very i think potent and exciting way to learn um and I think a mark of that is that you, the thing that I hear people say over and over again about your spaces and that I have had my own experience of is that you create a container that's safe enough for people to um, go out on a spiritual, creative, existential limb and um, and know that they're held in, in a space. Um so I just want to like say that, that there's one thing of like buying your book to learn visual medicine. And there's another thing about actually being in a space where you're um, kind of offering the teaching. And there was something else I wanted to say about that. It'll come back to me. Um, but yeah, is there more about visual medicine that you want to say? Um, <laughs> thank you. But I, but I mean, I think what you're picking up on is that I think that we carry so many um, wounds around our creativity. Um, so back to that that earlier thing, like be more creative. It doesn't help people because universally, people are creative. That is our birthright. That's in our DNA. Um, and I think that what really interests me in developing the work and teaching it and teaching people to to teach it to others is that kind of, um, it's like seeing through the tunnel, you know, seeing through a pattern to get to the essence that we all carry this um, blueprint print of creation. And because of the amount of shame in our culture around that, um, prof that profound relationship with creation that has been so damaged um, through so many lifetimes and so many situations, systems, um, exclusionary models. I, I think that what I've found, and to myself in the same way, that it's like it's it's shy, but it's powerful. Like it wants to be called, but it 
and and it's really powerful it's like it, it um and how do we uh kind of both call that forward um and call it out of ourselves and call it towards ourselves and it's a kind of multi-dimensional relationship and i think it's very connected to world healing because i think that when we you know kind of really situate ourselves within creation as a as an um an energy what we're doing is situating ourselves in the original um the original spark of our lives here on this planet you know and in the cosmos so that relationship is both radically simple it only took you know it took a moment <laughs> a millisecond for the you know for the world to start spinning but how can we both see it um and and honor it and you know call it forward and call it from within and um the only way i know to do it is to really both underline it and say this is really important um and make it safe because i know that people are carrying a lot of damage and that and and not to make it it's not safe in that way of shutting it down it's like safe in it's it's safe to go as far and as weird and yes. as wide and as wide as you can and there's a logic to it let's try and find the logic so why are you saying that oh that's really interesting fascinating gosh i wonder what that means oh spin it a bit more see where it wants to go and then suddenly it roots back into your solar plexus or you know into your heart or into your you know into your vagina it it there's a way in which it makes sense and that's our work as creators like finding a way that it fits together and can grow you know back into an originating root system Ooh. I want to say Suzette's classes are the only place I've ever had my vagina welcomed into this space. And let me tell you, um, not to be missed. It's so mm -hmm. excellent. Um, what you're saying about uh, our deep sort of wounds around creativity makes me think about, um, you know, Brene Brown did a bunch of research um, with her people that um, was it some huge percentage, 75% of people could remember a moment so shaming that it changed sort of the trajectory of their life. And that more than half of those instances were about creativity. Wow. That shaming that. moment. Yeah. 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 And, uh, that she says unused creativity is not benign. Mm. And I look at sort of our world of war and militarism and capitalism and, think about what unused creativity looks like in the world, um, the kind of destruction and extraction that it looks like, the sort of, you know, um, mass death and organized abandonment, I think is unused creativity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've talked about in your classes that working with creativity is so tender and intimate that it's like working with sexuality. And mm -hmm. in my experience, those two things, you know, they come from the same source. It's Eros, you know, that creative energy. Um, Eros often gets, I think, collapsed to sexual energy, but it's so deeply creative. It's aliveness mm -hmm. and creativity has been my portal into aliveness um, and eroticism. And so just want to say that too. I also feel like um, we're sort of getting ready to pivot to your paintings. I want to talk about that. But before we leave it, I just want to know if there's anything else that you want to say about visual medicine before we turn. 
Um, I think what's really interesting, I, I think it's a communication system. Um, and over the years that, you know, the, the two decades that I've been working with it, I've, I've seen more and more, you know, through my own work, but also my work with students, um, that it's bringing through ancient knowledge and ancient language systems and that are very profound. And one of the things um, that I think about the images um, that get born is that in the way in which they speak, they speak in an, in an abstract way, which often co coalesces into symbols or coalesces into shapes of animals or, you know, of um, different kinds of forms, including human. Um, and one of the things that I feel very deeply moved by, surprised by, was not prepared for, is the way in which it's now becoming like a portal for other ancestor beings to speak through. Um, so it's it's like, it feels like um, that some, in a way, what I didn't say at the beginning was, I think, the way in which visual medicine works is we seed a field by questions and need, but we also seed the field by um, by sort of, maybe we don't seed it, but what we're doing is creating a receptive field. And now that visual medicine has more embodiment and embedment in the world, it's like it's taking in more from different dimensions. So I, I do see it as an interdimensional and an ancestral field of communication where other beings make themselves known, including the collective unconscious. Um, and we see that when we look at people's images and you know, bodies of um, you know, ancestor beings, but also beings that are beyond our conscious relationship. Um, and I feel very, very um, like, profoundly moved I feel deeply thrilled I feel like the practice itself is endless um, and because the communication and the desire from these other dimensions is endless um, and that makes me feel kind of like this is it's a bit like the internet for spirit I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and that's really extraordinary through this very simple um, almost like a, a how early photographs used to be developed. It's like it's like that shaking the water and allowing the film of communication to come through. And I find that utterly um, spellbinding. Oh my gosh! As you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, there's, um, you know, you pick the colors you're going to use maybe for a painting yeah. session, yeah, and you think you're doing whatever it is that you're doing and then your paintings dry and then you turn them over yeah and you see the backs of the paintings which you call the most unconscious part mm -hmm. of the painting so whatever it is you think you're up to <laughs> you turn that painting over and there's a whole other communication that's happening there's a yeah. whole other world yeah. and as you know, because we've been in these, you know, in your spaces together, that there have been moments where people have turned their paintings over and we've all just been like utterly stunned, utterly mm -hmm. stunned. We're all mm -hmm. seeing the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's unbelievable. So yeah. um, so speaking of, of seeing unbelievable things, yeah. um, 
Tell us about your paintings. Yeah. <laughs> well, they work. Um, the way I work is very, you know, it, it's it's very similar to visual medicine, but there are some differences. And um, one of the things about visual medicine, I just compare a little bit, is visual medicine, we're working with watercolor paper. And although there are some protocols and practices in visual medicine that begin to be able to build more kind of topographic surfaces, like I call them map making, um, visual medicine on the whole is kind of two-dimensional. So in my practice as a painter, um, how I start to how I start to work as a painter is the equivalent is seeding the field in visual medicine. In my work as a painter, what I do is I create a body. And that's where I go about constructing the structure of the painting, which is, I call it creating a body because in a way what I'm doing is creating a field, um, a, you know, a, a structure that can hold the painting from the place that I am receiving and downloading it. So building a body will often be like um, using canvas glued together. And often it will just be two canvases glued together, raw canvas. Um, but in that process, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware. It's a little bit like gluing skin or, you know, it, it's very physical. Um, and although it, it sounds like a small task, that can be utterly exhausting. And I might um, sort of, I always work on three, four, five, six paintings at once. Um, and in the same way that visual medicine works on repetition, my painting practice works like that, that um, I have found that when I get put too much energy into one thing or too much, I cut, cut in and start trying to direct it way too much. Um, and I stop working with the field of energy and start working on a corner or, you know, wanting something to, to change. And then it kind of completely unbalances the whole of the painting. So, um, so I always work with, you know, um, like five, six paintings at once. And when I'm working in my painting practice, those kinds of paintings are like two meters by 1.8 meters or 1.7 meters, which is two meters is like um, 80 inches by, I don't they're know, big. by they're inches. almost like they're larger than human scale or yeah yeah they're, they they have an equivalent so when you step into the field they feel like a body or sometimes they're bigger than that like three meters which is um 120 inches I think um and but they but they have a relationship to the body they have a relationship to my my height and my physicality like my, the stretch of my arms um when I'm working, I always work on the floor um, and the work wouldn't work on a wall because when I'm working on a wall, it's a little bit like that encourages me directing it. Whereas when they're on the floor where it's a bit like we're rolling around together, we're, um, you know, sort of mingling together. And um, there's a way in which it's a little bit like sleeping, you know, sleeping, dreaming with the painting mm. um and if you're standing up you're too conscious so there's something like a bit like rolling on the floor together 
Um, so um, that's the first start of the painting process. I do work on very large sheets of paper as well, but they also have a kind of viscerality, a, a kind of materiality. Um, and recently I've started working with tracing paper, but as soon as you start putting um, like inks on them, they become literally like topographic. They become 3D maps or, you know, more than that. Um, but the main work that, well, all my work starts off on the floor with a sense that the first part of the work is to create the body, is to be with that embodied phase. of, um, And in a way that, that begins the listening. It's like, um, because the glue and the construction might take a while to dry, especially living in London. It's so damp. The, the moisture means that just the, the physicality takes longer than say painting in Australia, for example. But so that process takes a while and then they kind of cure a bit, which means that the, the glue dries, it begins to set. And then the, the next processes begin. And the way I work is um, I work with a set of protocols um, is what I call them. And the protocols are ways of working that um, allow me a kind of an engagement with a field of energy. So rather than working on the corner, I'm working with the energy of the painting as a field. Um, so when I step into that field, I feel myself working in a physical dynamic, a relational matrix with the energy system I'm working with. Um, and it's very unconscious. It's um, I've begun to understand decades later what I'm doing, but I now, because of, you know, working with Pedita, um, but also understanding more of where my work practice fits in the body of the world, I, I now can sort of articulate the forms that I feel when I'm working. So my practice over the last 20 years particularly has been about sort of invoking and inviting this download, um, which is always about the earth and always about different substrate within the earth's body. It could be rock, it could be wind, it could be water. Um, and recently I've started working with um, sort of chemical bodies within the earth's substrate. So I've been working with um, salt as a, as a, an ancestor body. And that has been extraordinary because of the level of creativity, the level of creation itself held within the chemical of salt. Um, and without salt, mammals would not be on the planet. I mean, I'm sure that applies to reptiles, but without salt, you know, we would not be here. And so it, it, it's been an incredible encounter and one that kind of came absolutely from the side and has become a bit obsessive actually um, because it's such a it's such a powerful generative engagement with this um, kind of body energetic body of ancestor beings I love to hear you talk about your process it's so fascinating. I'm going to link to Robin Love's interview with you as well. Mm -hmm. In the episode notes, you talk to her. 
um, for her series, small things brought together. And, you know, cause if people are listening to this and like want more, that's another great mm. place to hear you talk about your process. What I'm struck by sort of freshly listening to you this morning is that you, um, uh, and it's something that's so appealing to me about your work is that you create these protocols, procedures, you mm-hmm. know, a kind of, um, container or a liturgy or a, a recipe. I mean, you mm-hmm. can call it so many things that allow you to, um, there's something about like, it's coming through you, Suzette, it, it like, it's coming through you to the extent that it's not coming through someone else. And at the same time, it's a communication that's not about your creative intentions. Is that is that accurate to say? Totally, totally, totally. It, it makes me think when you say that it, it's the equivalent of um, like it's a container or a practice, like a spiritual practice, like, you know, sort of um, a prayer. A ceremony. It, yeah, a ceremony that allows something else to come through and when in the protocols like they have there there are systems of thinking and I, i've talked to you about this before you know when we've been talking about painting as artists and um that i don't i ha- you know that so it it's it's not working on this corner i that's i've said that three times but it feels really important to say it because when you give too much attention to one thing the overall energetic sphere of the the balance in the in in the land system if you like becomes skewed and so there's something about re-regulating the whole field of energy everything is connected everything is flowing together and um you know if a painting's not working it's the whole thing that needs to change it's not mm. one you know, it's not, it's the not one like one little corner right. over here yeah. or you want to say this because in the end that won't look right because it's the wholeness that needs to be in you know, in kind of like, how do you move with that? And that's an incredible field of energy to work in. And um, although, um, I, I mean, I never set out to think, oh, that's what I'm going to do. It's a little bit like listening deeply and then being led through certain procedures or towards certain materials and the materiality then becomes part of the teaching system. You know, natural pigments have their own, nature they're different from acrylic paints um maybe you'll use a bonding agent to to kind of make them adhere but they will then material their materiality the very nature of who and what they are in conversation with my own materiality will create something distinct and um you know in conversation with each other to see what wants to come through and you know that's the oracular nature that's that's what kind of creates the field of um, creation um, because that's when we start to bring through things that didn't exist before, or they could be things that have, you know, are teetering on extinction or things that want to be re-remembered. Um, and that's also what my work is about re-remembering um, states and practices that, um, yeah, have, not been here for millions of years. Um, I love that you keep talking about the corner of the painting because I think it's such a good example of um, sort of disrupting the the sort of 
very Western I- idea of, you know, aesthetics, you know, like I want to say, I've never seen your paintings in real life, sadly, and I hope to someday, you will, yeah. but as aesthetic objects, they are completely some of the most utterly mind-blowing things I've ever looked at in my entire life. But what I hear you saying is it's not about like having an aesthetic um, agenda, it's, it's, you, you have this, there's another, I mean, I think to even call it an agenda is not correct. I feel like you're kind of making yourself available to, um, a very ancient, very primal energies that want to come through. I mean, it's like you are allowing ancientness itself and not ancient, we're talking about ancient with like no humans involved. We're talking about like yeah. old, yeah. old, 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 yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, yeah. the beginnings of the formation mm-hmm. of the earth. Yeah. Um, that your paintings are allowing that kind of communication. And <clears throat> I think in a Western context, we're sort of the individual genius artist who's like making a masterpiece, you know, is that I think it could be easy to overlook kind of the magnitude of what you're up to um, in allowing yourself to be um, a, a channel, you know, to, and not just to be a channel, but also to set up the procedures and the conditions that allow all of that to happen. Um, and so I'm curious if you can say a little bit about this um for people who are listening like what does that mean like millions billions of years ancientness like what is what does that mean in terms of your paintings um it's really interesting i just want to say so interesting to me i don't dispute what you're saying about the paintings have a physicality that is um it's it's one of the it's very profound like they they have that kind of um that beingness um, and and that that's part of their true nature. And I think my work as a painter is to kind of facilitate that. Like I want to, a bit like you want your child to grow up to be who they are, you know, or you want your friendship to, you want your friend to be who they really are. And, and together so that allows something else to happen in you and then it allows something else to happen in them. And that kind of, you know, that reciprocity. So when you're saying that about my paintings, I mean, I feel that one of the things that the paintings are wanting to do is um, I don't feel like I feel gobsmacked sometimes about what they what their conversations are like. Um, so one point recently um, I was working. I don't know why I started working with tracing paper, except I did. I, I gave some to my son, who's also an artist and um and I just happened to be using it. I put it on top of a painting. It took an imprint and I just went, oh my God, that's utterly incredible. Because what it was, was um, it was like both a heart, a womb, kidneys, but it was so profoundly, um, it was like being imprinted from the inner, like my inner body to my inner body. And then I, and I just thought, oh my God, I have to start using this. So I started using trace. Can we just pause for a moment and like those moments that happen in the creative process, I haven't had one for a while, but where you do something sort of seemingly incidental and you have basically like 
a whole, like an existential orgasm. Totally, totally. And picking up on that, like, I think that's what the protocols are about. Like, um, rather than having to reinvent something again and again, where I'm trying to find my, the thing that interests me, actually the, the materiality, the voice within the mater of the, you know, of the material, the mother within the material is so generous. It's like, so um, it gives us insights, you know, all the time. So like just being able to see that, feel it, think it, begin to kind of underline it, give it importance so it can then become something, um, grow into more. And so that work with the tracing paper grew into um, A0 sheets, which are like, you know, um, 70, no, not 70 inches, 70 centimeters, which is like um, um, 36 inches by, I don't know, 30. So they're quite big pieces of tracing paper. And I started to work with them. Um, I put sort of 10 out on the floor and I was using ink, um, different kinds of inks. And I turned around um, and it was, it was one of the most um, painterly, the paintingly kind of an experience of both um, like being utterly undone by the paintings. I turned around and it was like I was in a field of bones. Um, and these were not just, they were human bones, but they were bones of animals. They were bones of um, like the bones of a cave with drawings inside the cave. Um, and as I was um, experiencing the field of what came through the paintings in the top part of my studio where I work, there are only, there are very, very high skylights. and the skylights that in this, these streams of light. Um, and it was like being in a temple. And, and, um, and I, I, you know, was crying for about half an hour. It, it's not because of, oh, I'm a good artist, but because of the level of connection and the generosity of the creation beings who want to talk to us and the generation the the generativeness or the generousness of um that dimension that will reach across through the portal to arrive and that's what my protocols are about it's like so we don't have to keep working through oh should i do this or should i do that no this is what we're doing this is and then and then they can come through and then we're working together Um, and that's and that's taken quite a long time for me to get to that um, that sort of understanding because it's very outside my um, my school of thought. It's very outside, um, you know. It's very outside of the way I, I grew up. You know, I, I've told you many times. I grew up in a, a grocery shop. My family were very very practical. Um, you know we did things like stacking Campbell's soup before we, you know, went to bed and we swept the floor before we went to school. And um, Pragmatism and, and practical skills were very honored in my family. So to be the custodian and the creator uh, in this field, to welcome these beings through feels like sometimes, I mean, I can see them now and feel them, but it took a long time to really identify this is happening. This is real. This is this is um, what you've 
chosen to do, Suzette, and and we are with you. It's like your protocols are sort of like um, a creative and spiritual and existential stacking of Campbell soup cans and sleep and sweeping <laughs> the floor, you know, that allow, you know, yeah. that that sort of um, practical, you know, mm-hmm. discipline, you know, wow. sort of brought to that. Um, I, I totally love that because it's true. Yeah. It's a bit like we, you know, we chop wood, carry water, but we stack right. the cans and we sweep the floors. Right. You build the body and then yeah. you follow the protocols. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope that people will check out the links um, to actually look at your paintings. And it is really just, um, I love how you talk about it in terms of just the generosity, the generosity of the communication. It's like um, what's, what's longing to come through and be seen and experienced and in, in, and related to is so um, incredibly profound. Uh, And, you know, I long for your work to be out in the world and seen by millions of people um, to reawaken this relationship, our oldest relationship, which is with the earth. Mm, um, mm. And I feel like your paintings are an invitation to an invitation to that speaks to a, a something inside of us that is also ancient, that also remembers this relationship, and that you know this very kind of um, Johnny Come Lately culture has really driven a wedge <laughs> in mm. between, but it's right there, and I feel like yeah. your paintings really are. Um, speak to that it's right there Mm. this profound Mm -hmm. um, and that we are also made of the earth you know yes yeah and I I mean I love how you put it both you know sort of um, the Johnny come lately cultured idea you know sort of um, that has denuded you know spirituality out of the creation process that sits, you know, sits in so many aspects of our culture. And I think something about that reawakening that we are all um, able to enter into the body of the world in much, in deeper ways where that, that, you know, kind of infinite unfolding, never ending resource that um, can keep, that we can keep participating with because that's also how the world is made that we are not separate from the world in that way. And I think for me, painting and and teaching about these practices is um, painting's a way of participating in the the kind of the system and the languages that allow us access to different um, entrances, you know, into the world's communication. Um, And and that, that feels like, you know, kind of world healing that feels, you know, connected to um, working with the world's soul and returning our honor and our our sense of awe and um, and also also our love mm. um, for the world. Like that act of participation is also about um, being able to love and and feel the love. You know, your paintings kind of make me feel like slightly less afraid of dying. You know, it's like they they're sort of like, this is what you'll be (laughs) returning to, you know, Mm -hmm. this place of 
um, ancient minerals and rocks and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, places in the earth. This is like, you're going back and coming back and going back and coming back. And I feel like they're just such a, um, yeah, there's something about, um, the, the awe, the awe of what is so much older than even just humans themselves, you know? Absolutely. And when you say that, I think that, um, that return to minerality or, you know, the, the, like becoming part of the earth's body again, it, it feels like a return to the great arms, you know, not, not to the great absence, but, and I think, you know, underpinning all this work that we're talking about is like in that love, it's like, um, losing fear of dying. Um, and, and I, you know, hope in some way, allowing then the thrill of being alive. And I think for me as well, that, um, you know, why I wrote quite a lot about, um, I had a breakdown at art school and I, you know, you read about it, but I, I think it's important because that was that sense of not wanting to be here is something that I felt a lot through my life. And so creation practice um, can be a very profound way of having a reunion with the mother. And for me, painting is part of that reunion, but it, but it's sort of, it's a living practice of having a relationship. And what I, I love about the rosary work with Ray of, Ray of the Rose is it's probably one of the only spiritual practices other than painting where I feel that that intimacy with the great mother is really like it's allowed, it's named, it's fostered, it, it's encouraged, it's um, pe- people are participating in it, it's becoming more as we um, kind of join the field. And it doesn't have rules. It, it has a radical intimacy, um, which is really mind-blowing um, and so different from the kinds of experiences that I think most people have had in their formative encounters with either spirituality, religion, or creativity, or relationality. Yes, to all of that. I'm so on that page with you. Yeah, shout out to Way of the Rose community. Shout out to Perdita Finn, you yes. know, who I think has really informed both of us in terms of... Yeah, um, deeply. Yeah, that um, being in relationship with the dead and with the earth really changes. You know, I've also been someone who has not wanted to be here at several points in my life as well and has had my life saved by painting in a very different way. But, you know, similarly, like, you know, painting what I need to stay, Mm -hmm. you know, on this earth. And and yeah, there's something very radical about... um, really coming back. I feel like now, now more than ever, as we live through the apocalypse, which literally means the unveiling, um, it's not some future time. It's now Mm -hmm. that these, um, these technologies and practices of intimacy through, um, creativity, through, um, our relationship with the land and each other. Um, I just feel like your work, both your paintings and visual medicine are speaking to that in a very profound way. So before we move to the quick fire round, I just want to say to folks that if you have an opportunity to work with Suzette, 
doing visual medicine, um, I really recommend that you do it while she's still up to it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Suzette and I have never met in real life. Mm -hmm. So all of her teaching I've received um, online. And let me tell you, there is no... Um, there is no shortage of intimacy. There is no sacrifice of connection and potency. Um, just want to say, I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, these teachings have been utterly, have met me completely where I am and have allowed me to just open so many more doors and explore things. Um and, you know, as someone who studied creativity and spirituality in depth for some time, um, so especially to people out there who are like, I am not creative, <laughs> I really, um, it's a gift to give yourself to actually have the experience, to actually have the experience. It's a, you don't need a lot of materials. It's very simple. Um, and just doing the group you know, being in a group that's being facilitated by Suzette and doing creative work is a way, I mean, I do it because I'm interested in intimacy, you know, um, it's, if you're interested in the imagination, if you're interested, you know, so I just want to, if there's any like cell in your body, that's like, Hmm, I'm like, do it, <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to say before we pivot to the so-called quick fire round? Um, no, I, I, I just, I feel like we've really um, gone deep and really covered a lot. And, um, and, you know, I just, I, I think the reason why I'm not sort of, I mean, I love how you experience visual medicine. And the reason why I'm not being falsely modest is that I think what you're saying is true. And, and, and also I'm not, uh, the work is teaching me. I am, I am both a leader and facilitator and a student in the practice. And, and I feel like what we're really talking about is creation itself, which all of us, you know, um, need to be in awe of and, and bow down to an experience. So in that way, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the practice going, it's really amazing. And it's not me. It, it's um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a gift. It's a language. We're all learning it together. Um, I've been, you know, I, it spoke to me because probably I was in such need um, and had done prepared the ground, but believe me, I was in a lot of need when it arrived into my life. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We'll dispense with all of that false modesty. <laughs> Thank and, you. <laughs> and just one last thing I want to say about working with you is, you know, I trained in a tradition where all of my teachers were men. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, working with you as um, a creative and spiritual teacher has given me uh, a reparative experience of what it is like to be turned back to myself and my paintings in um, a generative way and that your integrity as a teacher is impeccable. And that has been a deeply reparative experience for me. Um, it's different. It's difficult out there. We live in a very toxic culture and I'm not, you know, even talking about like bad people. I'm just talking about you put someone in a position of power in an organization or institution in this toxic culture, and there will be shenanigans. 
like not even of their own intentions, but, and so the way that you hold space, the way that you, the number of times that you've said in spaces I've been with you, there's nothing you have to change about yourself is like manna from heaven. Um, so I just want to say, if anyone is out there listening and has had difficult experiences with spiritual or creative teachers, I wholeheartedly and unreservedly can recommend um, working with Suzette as a reparative experience for that. I'm just receiving that, Shay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm. You know, it makes me emotional too. Mm. <laughs> okay. So um, this quick fire round, we can take as much time as we want. I just call it the quick fire <laughs> round. So I'm going to yeah. ask these questions of both of us. Yeah. We're allowed to like take our time and have a pause. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, oh, you know, radio silence on the podcast. I don't give a shit, you know? Um, so we can do whatever we want. If you want me to answer a question first, because you want to think about yeah. it, just let me know. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. What are you practicing right now? Whoa, that's so in I'm practicing daily walks, um, which I don't do every day. But <laughs> that's why it's a practice. <laughs> I'm practicing um a relationship with the land. Um I live in London. It's very urbanized, but where we live um is a park called Bethune, and it's um a, a piece of wild-ish land. Um, and I go there most days and sometimes I go with Shashi, my wife, and other times I go by myself. Um, and we together, you know, kind of walk and just listen to the trees. Or when I go there by myself, I will um, just enter into a relationship with the field of energy of the space. And what I've been, it's a little bit like entering the field of the painting. It's like, um, listening to the conversation that the trees and land are wanting to impart to me. So it's like a transmission and I can, in the same way of working with visual medicine or with my um, paintings, it's like a feel that you can prime with, God, I feel so upset today. Um, can you sh show me what's going on? Or um, is there something that, you know, I need to know about my behavior or what I'm doing or, you know, or help me. It's like then that field begins to be in communication with the with the ask. And so that's really happened in the, only really in the last um, in this way, only in the last few months. And I feel like a baby in this, but I, I also feel like um, it's such a an extraordinary opening. Um, I feel like I've been doing that that practice in closed rooms, but not quite understanding how much bigger it can be in working in the field of lands. Mm. Um, so that's my practice at the moment. And also um, calling in the dead and with through Petita's work and, um, and our conversations as well, working with my intimate dead and larger fields within the world of the dead. Mm, mm, mm. so glad I asked <laughs> and um, you, what are you what's your practice you know I feel like I'm always saying the same thing and it's like well yeah because I'm practice I mean 
Mm. I was thinking about this yesterday. It's like when I say it in the podcast, I say it out loud and it's actually really helpful for me to say, this is what I'm practicing out loud. Cause it's like reminding mm-hmm. myself, like yeah. we are practicing this, right. Aren't we? <laughs> um, I am practicing, um, there's a, this training that I'm doing another training I'm doing called like a pro, uh, wheel of consent training also highly recommend. Mm. And, uh, there's this framework that Betty Martin, who sort of created the training, uh, which is um, notice, trust, value, and communicate. And it's when you you let a desire arise, you notice it, you notice what you want, you trust that that is a um, real communication, you give it value you know, saying like, it's important. And then you find a way to communicate it. Mm. And I have been practicing that I, um, as a Capricorn moon, I have a really hard time letting anybody see my needs, even myself, um, let alone my desires actually. And so I'm really working. It's a real edge for me of, can I let myself, um, feel what I need and, um, communicate it, you know, go through those steps to communicate it, even if just to myself, I mean, communicating it to others is like next level, but that's what I, that's a place I feel like I'm working, um, a practice right now. Yeah. It feels like when you talk about it, it's such a spirit practice, like that opening more and more to your, to your need or, and, and the softening and the kind of the way in which it kind of just opens endlessly. <laughs> yeah. It's to the know, core. And it's yeah. like, you know, the, the voice about, you know, selfishness, la 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 la. And it's kind of like if I, I can't be genuinely responsive mm-hmm. to myself, I'm not actually being genuinely responsive to others, even if I yeah. think I am. Yeah. And so it feels very important given mm-hmm. the work I do, given that I do spiritual care work, mm-hmm. to actually work this edge with myself. Yeah you know, so that, you know, not have these things all mediated by money. You know, I pay Mm -hmm. a therapist, I pay a body worker, people pay me, but like to actually in my friendships, be able to have these needs and requests and generosity happen, not mediated by Mm -hmm. those other, um, by money or Mm -hmm. it's my job or whatever. Yes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> what or who are you listening to right now? <laughs> Shall I tell you my really honest answer? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. So um, the the point where we're recording this interview is really a very dark moment in the world's unfolding. And there's a war going on in Israel and Gaza. And um, it it feels very, very palpable in my world. Um, And it's extremely, um, it's it's very, um, and I think it's true for many, many people and obviously the people who are directly involved, um, it is more true for. Um, But in that field of energy, you know, being with this um, devastation 
one of the things that I do is I, I sometimes listen to really um, teen boy stories. Oh my God, I love it so much. So what I've been listening to is Alex Ryder, Anthony Horowitz. Um, I think it's Anthony Horowitz. Um, is it Anthony Horowitz? Um, anyway, it, Alex Ryder is a teen spy and I've listened to three books on Audible recently. <laughs> Um, and I, I had to trade in some of my more um, kind of, you know, um, you know, books that I should be listening to to get these my credits on Alex Wright. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do that because I really need to take time off. And there's something about um, teen boy stories that just really relaxes me. <laughs> I've known you for a little while now, and this is and the I've first that I'm hearing that. about this. And I'm so yeah. um, delighted to get the confession yeah. recorded right here. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, also thank you for bringing the world in. We're recording this on November mm-hmm. 16th. Um, there is, you know, ethnic cleansing going on in um, the Gaza Strip right now. The world is a mess. The world is a mess as it always has been and always will be, but it's a mess in a very particular, very acute way um, that, uh, yeah. So here's to actually, when we get to what what are we reading now? I'm also um, realizing I need some novels. I need some like, I need some stories, you know? Ooh, Um, what am I listening to right now? So, so, Many people know my cat had amputation surgery last week. She's healing fine. She's such a queen. And um, I go up into the room. I have her in one room before, you know, until she gets her stitches out. And when I go up there, I take her cone off and um, like free her and, you know, feed her and then let her groom herself. And there's something about like the ASMR, like hearing her eat and hearing her purr and then hearing her lick herself those sounds that she makes are like oh my god it's such a source of just total full body delight to like hear her being hurt she's such a noisy eater you know the way she kind of on herself when she like bathes or something when she really gets into it and just all the little noises that she makes just being herself Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really enjoying just shutting every, you know, all the screens off and just, just like being oh. with her and listening to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be completely unselfconscious, such a, such mm-hmm. a clinic in unselfconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of reading, what are you reading right now? Um, you know, I bought, um, 10 different um, I just I love- ordered that. I just ordered it. Oh, amazing. Just, um, yeah. So this is, this is a collection of their books made by wooden books and they're very small books and um, they have, they have a whole kind of collection. On, this is on Lee. I bought one on divination portals. Um, like I, I'm what other ones I, I bought 10 of them the other night. I just sat in front of the TV kind of scrolling and clicking <laughs> and they arrived and, um, they're amazing because they're, I, I bought one on, yeah, it was, it was divination, but it had the tarot in it and they have incredible amounts of, um, information in very small pop, you know, pocket sized books. 
and the drawings are amazing, the paper is amazing. It feels like receiving something from another dimension. And I love them. They're, they're some of my most favorite objects. So yes, I'm developing my wooden book library. That's what I'm reading. I love that. I can't wait for Lee to get here. It's you talked amazing. about it. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned it in the in the visual medicine facilitator training, and I was like, click. Uh, need, need to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm reading a novel that I just started last night. It's called the cloisters by Katie Hayes. And uh, it's just, it feels good to get lost in a, in a story. Yeah. Um, yeah. It turns out it's about tarot and divination. Wow. Um, Extraordinary. But, Ooh, gosh. but it's a novel. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. So that's fun. Okay. What are you watching right now? And this could be media, but could it also be non-media things. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I I have terrible confessions about the kind of um, crap TV or things that I watch. I, do, I probably just need to say that I feel like I'm on all the time. Like if if I'm working visually, everything that I'm looking at just goes through my body. Um, and the way in which I relax is that I like to watch really bad TV. So we have been watching. I don't think this is that bad, actually, is um, this morning. Is it? It's with Jennifer Aniston on Apple TV. It's actually quite amazing. So, um, I've been watching cooking programs called MasterChef, The Professional. Love it! I love I it just, so much. I have very, very um, lowbrow taste, and um, and it just really helps me relax. <laughs> and then I switch into other dimensions. So yeah, yeah, you. I haven't been watching crap TV lately. I need good. I need, I need to find wow. something good. The last amazing thing I watched, and I did mention it on a past interview was Our Flag Means Death, which is on HBO Max. You know, it's about a queer pirate ship, a gentleman pirate. It's so, wow. maybe I'll just That's really watch that whole thing. It yeah. was so smart and incredible and funny. And yeah, yeah. And just made me feel like, yeah queerness we need more of it everywhere <laughs> it was yeah. just so yeah. incredible um what question are you living into right now um I think my question is um it's very interesting we haven't even begun to talk about this is aging um I'm just about to I'm 65 I'm just about to turn 66, which is where we get our pension in this country. Huzzah. It's it's such a big deal. Um, and But hidden within the question of aging is really, what is my, um, what do I want from my time on earth? And Shoshi and I talk about that a lot. Like Shoshi is a psychotherapist and um, we, we trained at the same training institution. Um, our lives before we, got together a deeply intersected and so our conversations are, are kind of take us into very shared experiences what how do we want to serve you know what is our task here how can we pass to as many people the kinds of things that we've been working with um, how can we re-sprinkle it back into the world and um, and also have joy and and um, yeah what why are we here in the last part of our lives that's a question that is around all the time. Um, and how can I how can I communicate for me the power of this work in a way that can reach into the world? Um, and that's not all on me. It's like it's also how do I 
work with the pattern ancestors and not be extractive or, you know, sort of capitalistic or how do I sort of enter into a relationship that um, is true to this work? Mm. Mm. Is that all? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Amazing. I love that you two are asking those questions. About your questions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised, but mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I feel like a question I'm living into right now is like, how much, how much, I guess the, the sort of big, I was going to say, how much time am I spending online in particular with the so-called news? Um, yeah. And I think the larger question inside of that is, is how am I using my time? How am I in time? Um because it, uh, I think I'm aware because of how much time I spent in a place where I wasn't on screen all the time and I wasn't, and my, you know, I was using my time in a very particular way. I am very aware of how I use my time, how that impacts my mental and emotional state. And um, so, yeah, I'm, and, and also, live, you know, the, the sort of question of like, having had my time structured for so many years, I also really love kind of fucking around. Um, mm -hmm. And really, but, but being online isn't the same really as fucking around. Yeah, um, I yeah. think there's a, there's a different kind of fucking around that. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm sort of holding these questions about like, not trying to like be good or do something right or be rigid or regimented or like, um, you know, practice well, but like, you know, to be, what do I actually need? What do I actually want? Yeah. Um, and so it's easy at this moment, I feel like to get swept into the world, mm. um, because it is such a maelstrom right now. Yes. Um, so really that's a question that I'm sort of all throughout the day yeah. before yeah. I, before I sort of start looking is like, you know, I'll just pause and be like, what are you actually doing right now? <laughs> you know, is this what needs to happen right now? Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about that more broadly, just in terms of like having my phone off period, not being contactable, not being, not hearing my text notifications go off. I just feel like there, there's something to protecting that space. Yeah. 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 Um, I just wanted to add yeah. more, ask one question because I wonder as well, like in the world in which we're living is like, um, because I feel like something about on time as well and feeling, mm -hmm. you know, sort of, are we on time with what we're, you know, what, what we're here for. And, um, and, and I just want also want to say that sometimes I think that that kind of weird relaxation you get from being on screen also has to be woven in it, it's you know I, I do just want to say that yeah agreed yeah yeah agreed I mean I have made no judgments about how anybody's getting through these times I mean you yeah. know with all of the training and resource and mm -hmm. comfort I have it's hard so you yeah. know whatever you're all doing like <laughs> yeah yeah goddess bless yeah. um what is keeping you up at night um I think obviously, you know, the state of the world, um, 
I wake up often in the middle of the night sort of feeling disturbed. Um, and also one of the things about aging is that when you've gone through menopause, that your, um, your hormones are really different. And it's a little bit like this incredible circadian rhythm that you have that is so outside our, you know, kind of understanding of what it is to, to be human. So sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, and, and I actually think it's that my brain is seeking dark, a bit like being a bat. Like I think that in some way it's a bit like my mind needs to be awake in the dark. Um, mm. And and I don't, you know, I don't know where to put it because actually I need a lot more sleep than I get. Um, and so that, so I'm interrupted. And I, I think it's also in the field, the body of the world. I think people, I think we are disturbed and, and we should be disturbed because what's happening is disturbing. Um, so yeah, that's what's waking me up. Mm. I'm just going to say like, I mean, not the menopausal part, but yeah. everything else. I mean, yeah, I wake up, I feel disturbed. That feels mm -hmm. correct. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. the climate war, mm -hmm. displacement, um, precarity, fascism, <laughs> Yes, just that. Yeah. 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 And you know, that those things are, are real. Mm. Um, that's why we don't end on that question. What is yeah. inspiring you right now? Whoa. Um, Hmm. You go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is inspiring me right now are all the folks who are engaged in direct action around the world, mm. who are disrupting business as usual, who are refusing to let ships leave ports, who are refusing to fly people to rallies, who are um, trying to protect a forest from a, a militarized police training center. These people who um, train and organize and um, go out with great discipline and courage to um, put their bodies in the way of these forces of death and destruction, um, that that is the most inspiring thing um, that I'm seeing in the world right now. And I just have a lot of, um, gratitude and reverence for people who, um, are doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that is inspiring me is, um, seeing, I feel like alongside of the terrible change in the world is also another change or many changes happening. And I'm really inspired and amazed by um, younger people, including my stepdaughter, Ella, um, who seems to be tapping into a kind of um, intelligence at 26 that is so beyond her age. And I think also Sophie Strand and many other much younger people and um, that seem to have access to ways of thinking, um, you know, that I can only understand as a change in, um, you know, like um, generations, that, that something is going on that is actually 
allowing there to be, um, you know, kind of change that is outside my ken, or you know, sort of. And I see that, and I and I'm really amazed by that. And um, I think it, it's like you can't you can't understand the information beyond that there there are things also happening that are mysterious that are also laying the way um for a future um other things that are inspiring me and i have to say my my little plot the the land that is public land common land that my little walks are a source of deep inspiration and i feel in that that when that that also feeds many other people it's you know feeding myself in that way actually allows me to retransmit patterns of coherence that are beyond my body and that mm. inspires me wow i love that oh patterns of co transmitting patterns of coherence extremely important in these times yeah absolutely absolutely what has your attention right now <clears throat> mm. Um, I think it's, I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a one track. I really believe that creation is, um, I, I think, I feel like my work in the world is to actually transcribe these ways of literacy. You know, it, it's like, I feel like my work is, I'm, that's my work and I have to give myself to it and I do every day. So it has my attention almost all the time. It's what I do. It's how I think. It's the, the notes I write to myself. It's um, it's what I it's what I want to do, and it and and it's what I believe. You know, there's a coherency to it that sits underneath everything. And for me, there's something about when we can align with that much more ancient beginning source of energy. It can it can write other much more sort of. Um, chaotic, disordered, dysregulated, violent, extreme, you know, um, yeah, like that's what I believe is going to alter the nervous system of the world. And that's what I'm, that's where my attention goes all the time. Huzzah. I'm so glad to hear it. <laughs> oh, what has my attention? My body has my attention. Mm -hmm. I've been working out. I've been yeah. doing this training. I, um, yeah, I mean, the relationship with the body, woof, what a, yeah. what a thing. So yeah, that ha has my intention as well as, um, oh, maybe I'll save the next part for the next, this is the last question. How are you evolving right now? Exactly. As I said to you that, um, through through being grabbed, you know, through being um, that my attention is is very um, transfixed on learning the language and finding ways of communicating it. Um, and I feel that's that's my that's what I'm here to do, and I and I surrender to it. Um, and I think just because it's your last question, I think what I didn't say is that because these are invisible languages to the extent that they are and beyond that, they are so um, 
fucking radiant. <laughs> um, that that one of the things that we struggle with in our culture, particularly as women, I I think, or those who identify um, as women, um, is that the, the this has been erased. This 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 languaging has been so um, demeaned. And that's why I think some of what we're talking about in terms of re-educating ourselves around creation um, and creativity is about is about relearning our own DNA patterns. Mm. And um, it's it's like an epigenic um, injury that's happened to us as a species, and that there are ways of healing the epigenic wounding, and that involves you know how we how we connect with each other, how we connect in the world, how we participate, how the world, how we call the world in to participate with us. And um, and I can't remember your question, but that's my answer. Amazing. Ah. You know, it makes me, it makes me think um, I was watching a, you know, a training video for this other training that I'm doing, the whole um, notice, trust, value, communicate piece. And, and they were talking about how, you know, where do we learn how to, you know, kiss or have sex? It's by like watching TV or watching movies or watching porn or whatever, because that's, because what's transmitted is what can be seen. Mm -hmm. We don't, I mean, I've never had the inner state of, you know, desire transmitted to me by the culture. In, in a real way, right? Because you can't show the inner mm, process mm. of noticing a desire and trusting it. It's so, you know, there's this kind of, I feel like this is one of, you know, how am I evolving? I think it's, um, giving importance to that internal process, even though it can't be seen yeah. And yet it can be seen, right? In the That's same right. way that, yeah. in the same way that, you know, visual medicine makes visible mm. something, you know, that the way that I live my life makes visible these internal states. Mm. And um, yeah, just really thinking about that, really thinking about how, um, what does it mean to, um, be aware of what I want or need and give that value and then find a way to communicate it in a sort of grown-up type fashion, <laughs> yes. you know, that that feels like an evolution to me, yeah. right? As opposed to seeing my desires externalized through conflict or rupture or mm -hmm. drama or, yeah. you know, yeah. but to actually just kind of return to the source of things. Mm. And um, yeah, maybe that evolution is just kind of becoming more of an adult, which I, I welcome that <laughs> at this point. But I think what you're, you're um, saying is really profoundly meaningful, like to, to allow yourself to uncover your real desires and to, it's like reorganizing. And when you say it, I, I feel like you're real, real reorganizing your DNA that that's an epigenic wound that you're talking about, yes. that, that you can't identify and relate to your own desires, needs, or wants. And, and in, you know, kind of evolving, bringing your consciousness to it and working with it 
it actually has a possibility of change. And that's a kind of a gift, I mean, to you, but also it ripples out. May it be so. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was as utterly epic as I <laughs> this was epic. An, as I anticipated it would be. And yeah. um, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time and having a delicious conversation with me. I love you so much. I love you so much. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. And I realize we've gone on for quite a long time. <laughs> as as is our want. <laughs> exactly. Shay, um, I, I really want to thank you, but it's more than that. I, I love how you carry, how you, you open something and let it travel. And, and I love that about you. I love your curiosity. I love how you think. And also that you let people unfold in front of you. And I have. So it's Yeah, thank you for that. It's an offering for all of us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.